0: You can be seated. Happy New Year. How many of you have made a New Year's revolution, revelation, reservation? Did anybody used to make them? Why'd you quit? Because never you don't hold on to it, right? I remember way back, I thought, oh, a New Year's resolution, okay, I'll get a... I'm going to make one. And then I couldn't think of what to make it for. And, uh, you know, the, the typical ones, if you go online right now, you'll find all the ads for losing weight, which really appeals to people because of how much they've just eaten over Christmas. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of funny. I think so. some people make New Year's resolutions, and, and if, you, if, if you do that and it works for you, then, then you go. And the rest of us will struggle for Jesus, I guess walking through, <clears throat> I saw somebody that said uh, yesterday, one of the pastors that, that I'm connected with, he goes, I think his theme for 24 was so much more in 24. And I was like, okay, I'll go with that. I've, uh, I never was really a, like a theme guy where you put something up for like 23, you know, Liberty in 23 or I just, cause some of them were so cheesy. I was like, you guys, you know, God's gonna do, what's God gonna do in 22? <laughs> and it's just kind of like, let's find a catchphrase. And so I don't know, it's a, <clears throat> we get into the new year. Um, I do believe, and I'm hoping to get to this, uh, it might be next week, but it's uh, that that'll be the end of our three days of fasting. How many of you remember what happened last year after three days of fasting? We did our three days of fasting. And then I got up on the Sunday morning and the message that I had ready to go, I, would just, I, w- I was going over the notes and it was just like chewing gravel. And I was just like, this is what? And I said, what to the Lord? I said, you know, I've only got 45 minutes here is my quiet time, you know, on Sunday mornings. And, uh, and I was trying to read through it and it was good stuff, you know, and I was looking there and, and, and finally I just set my computer down and, and I went, what? because now I've got like 15 minutes left, and I I knew I wasn't supposed to preach it. This was last year because we prayed for the three days, and then the joy of the Lord broke out on the, the Saturday night, <clears throat> and it broke out on me, and I was supposed to be leading the meeting, and, and I just, I, it started to come, and I could hear it, and some of you that are used to the joy of the Lord, and then the joy began to break out in the place, and so I went to bed thinking, oh, that was wonderful. What a great way to pray in the new year and all that kind of thing. And then got up the next morning and when I got up and went through this little process with the Lord and I just, I was like, what? And, and I felt like, um, he said, Acts chapter two, which is the, the outpouring of the spirit on Pentecost. And I said, and I wasn't being flippant. I was just being a little bit like, God, I've got to go to church here in 20 minutes, you know, and I like to teach. So I like to have it out. I like to have it laid out and have it put together. You know, be apt to teach, the Bible says. And uh, <clears throat> it does that same thing, Acts chapter two, and so I've got my Bible and I said, Acts chapter, on the inside I said, you know, one scripture's not really enough for like the whole service. <laughs> then I wrote the scripture down, you know, and then I wrote a couple of thoughts and put down a couple of other scriptures in, in like 10 minutes on a piece of paper and threw it in my Bible and came to church and uh, then preached on the anointing, and I was finishing, and uh, you know, God comes through, it was the grace of God, and we'd gone for the full length of time for church that morning, and in my mind, just as I was saying the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face, I saw a picture, not a vision, just a picture, of the altar lined with people. Do you know the Lord will always challenge something in you? He'll, what he does always challenges, and immediately I'm thinking, Lord, it, it, it's the end of the service. Like we need to go. People, people, you know, people are ready to go do stuff and, and, and many of them are ready to go eat because they haven't for three days. I do expect the 8.30 service to be packed next week so you better come early to get your seat because all the 11 o'clock people that are backslid, they come in the 8.30 one so they can eat earlier. And uh, uh, I see this picture and I'm, I'm, I'm drawing the prayer out as long as I can. May the Lord be gracious unto you so that people think I really mean it and and I'm battling with this lineup because I'm seeing this picture of this lineup and I come to the end of the prayer and I said, you know, for those of you who might want prayer about the anointing, how many of you remember that service? Some of you blotted it from your subconscious. I said, you know, we're just gonna have prayer here afterwards for anybody that wants prayer just about the anointing if you wanna pray for the anointing. And half the church came up. Well, that was it. I mean, the, the altar, and then the anointing started to flow. People were lying all over the floor. People were lying all over the, the room. And uh, <clears throat> 10, 10.30, we finished, and, but started to pray for people. We were still praying for people at 11.10 as the new people were coming in, and they're going, oh, what's this? I think some of them actually snuck into the prayer line before even going through the teaching. <laughs> And uh, I think we ended up getting out of there at three o'clock that afternoon. And uh, you know, the Lord's so good to me and he, he also has a sense of humor. And I heard on the inside, told ya. Because <laughs> he's better at preaching than I am. And, <laughs> and it was good. So we'll see what happens today. But today's not the day. Next week is uh, our fasting begins on Thursday. Th- Thursday, uh, we'll fast Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Come together on Sunday and break the fast afterwards. We'll have communion here at the church and then uh, break the fast and uh, let me encourage you to do it. Let me encourage you to jump in fast. When's the last time you fasted? It's one of the best things you can ever do for your body. Your body loves it. Your body burns out toxins. It burns out things that, that when your digestive system, you know our digestive system is the biggest system in the body requiring so much energy. I actually remember years ago, uh, I think it was Brother Copeland he was talking about this. He had been asking the Lord, why is it that my, when I fast, my spiritual senses are so heightened? What is it that makes the difference? And if I remember correctly, what he said that he got back from heaven was that when the biggest system in your body of the processing of food, the breaking it down and then sending it into all the different parts of the body <clears throat> he said it's like shutting down the motor uh, on a big tractor that's been pulling this pulling this, uh, you know, big trailer. He said, and all of a sudden, you're, you're coasting down a hill because there's no draw that's been put on that motor. Those of you that understand what a motor is, how a motor works, when you start going up a hill, that motor <clears throat> starts working harder because it's trying to pull that weight. And that was the illustration the Lord gave him. He said, when there's no weight like that, your spirit is what produces life in your body. And when, when your body is not drawing from the spirit life to produce all this, as a machine would, he said, you just are, your spirit becomes so much more sensitive. And I noticed that many times when we would do longer fasts years ago. you would come into church and the first song, I mean, the, the, the band could be not really all that anointed and things, but the first chord they start playing, your spirit's just right there because it moves you in. It also affects our soul. Our soul doesn't like fasting, but it's interesting if we don't realize how much we think about food. At least three times a day we think about food, for some of us more than that. And it's interesting because the term in the Old Testament that the Lord used for fasting was afflict your soul. So whenever you see that term in the Old Testament, afflict your soul, it means fasting, that he wants you to do this, you come together as a group and you afflict your souls. And what does it mean? It means your soul wants to be obeyed. It wants to be listened to. One of the best things, and I learned this years ago, that whatever feeds the flesh will starve the spirit and whatever feeds the spirit will starve the flesh. And the soul is the decider between those two. If you've got spirit on top and soul, I'll go over here so you can all see, spirit and soul and body, and soul, if soul decides to go with body, it's two against one against spirit. Simple. It's just a real simple little, but when spirit says, okay, you know what? We're gonna fast, and we're gonna put God first, then soul goes along with it grudgingly, but it's spirit and soul against body, and we're a three-part being. Well, two against one is always a pretty good odd. That, that, that uh, So this week as we fast, let spirit win. Something that I, that I found out years ago when fasting, I would, and I heard this from somebody else, but they said, ask the Lord for the grace to fast. And so for those of you that, that fasting might be new, ask the Lord for the grace to fast this week. And, and we'll talk, we'll break that down a little bit more um, as we go through this this morning. Maybe lights, guys. Can you turn on the altar light so I can walk down there, and uh, if I go down there and it's dark, the cameras have a problem. God initiated fasting in the Old Testament and gave it to his people as a means of connecting with him in a vital and powerful way. And I, I put together an equation years ago. Fasting plus prayer equals God's involvement. So we're setting aside these three days at the beginning of the year. Some of you might wanna go longer. Some of you might wanna start earlier. Uh, Everybody's a little bit different in what they do, but we wanna call a corporate fast. Joel said, proclaim a fast. They said, consecrate the fast, which means declare the fast and then come together and do it. So there's a corporate grace that happens when we come together and fast. And so we'll be doing that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as I said, and then Sunday morning in communion we'll break the fast and after that can eat. Let's look at a couple of areas that uh, I've been asked so many things over the corporate, uh, over the years, pardon me. When we fast, we bring together a corporate spiritual hunger before the Lord. The corporate spiritual hunger will actually bring personal spiritual answers. Same thing as when you come in here and worship, and the corporate worship creates more of an opening than it makes it easier for people who maybe aren't that sensitive but to actually have more because the corporate opening opens things up so that it's easier for people to sense God. That's the, one of the whole purposes of us coming together and serving him corporately. <clears throat> but first, remember a couple of things. We're not fasting to make God do something. It's not a hunger strike. That's right. And people think it is. Well, if I just fast and just, just bite the bullet, you know, and God will go, oh, okay, I've got to do. No. It's not that fasting doesn't change God, it changes us. It honors God because we put him above that which is most important to us. You do a little bit of research, you'll find out that every religion in the world and even the occult people fast. And the reason they do it is because it sensitizes us to spiritual things. It sensitizes us so that our spirit is not so encumbered by the flesh and the dullness of our flesh and of our soul. So go with me to Luke chapter 4. Let let me give you a few significant things that fasting does, and then we'll give some real simple directions on what kind of fasting. Luke chapter 4. First point, fasting prepares us for a spiritual change, and this is a good time of year to do it. Luke 4 verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when when they had ended, he was hungry. Just notice something there in verse two. Did you notice that it says being tempted for 40 days by the devil? According to that scripture, Jesus was tempted throughout that 40-day time, not just with the big temptation at the end, where the devil would try and, and, and sell him on the big one and get him to destroy himself, you know, and, and worship him and all that kind of thing. Just an interesting thing. He knew he was about to enter his full-time ministry, and this fast was a consecrated time alone with his father to make sure that he set his course in the right direction. Paul did the same thing in Acts chapter 9. Do you remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus and the bright light shone down and, and said, Paul... Why are you persecuting? It's hard for you to kick against the the resistance. And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And of course, the light made Paul blind. But it says something interesting. It says that he was blinded, but neither ate nor drank for three days. So you think about what Paul just, what happened to Paul. He'd spent his whole life with a focus on Pharisee, on the law, the importance of the law to the place that he was zealous enough that he was killing and hauling off to prison Christians. So this guy, I mean, he's he's going somewhere, right? He's going to end up being a Pharisee of the Pharisees and, and a leader in the Sanhedrin and all of that because of his zeal. And in just a few minutes, he has this revelation that he goes into town Thank God he was blind, I believe that he was blind so that he could process what was going on on the inside and not have to look at anything on the outside. And for three days and three nights, he fasted. No food, no water, and just was like, what is going on? As Jesus went in and just reprogrammed his entire spiritual construct, everything that he'd thought, he was now being reprocessed because Jesus, if you're real, then then what about the law? Then what about the sacrifices? If you're, if you're really the one, if you're the Messiah and we killed you, then people have to be, believe in you now because you're the You can just, I mean, for three days, he would have just been in, in almost a constant state of confusion, but every time that confusion moving into, oh my goodness, and the Bible says, and immediately he began to preach the gospel to those in Damascus. But that fasting for three days, important. So fasting changes us, prepares us, pardon me, for spiritual change. Number two, it increases spiritual power. Luke chapter four, again, in verse one, it says that Jesus was filled with the spirit and went into the wilderness. But I always like this little thing, that in verse 14, it says he returned in the power of the spirit. So he goes into the wilderness and... uh, uh, it, it's interesting if you read the original language, uh, but the King James says this. I'm not sure if the New King James says it the same way, but it says, when Jesus came up out of the water, immediately the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And I remember thinking, I never had the Holy Spirit drove me. Like I never had him drive me or, or push me like that. And I, I, I looked it up, and I, I find out what the Greek word was and where it was used and how it was used. It's used a number of times. <clears throat> but the Greek word is ikbalo, which means to forcefully thrust or command. And so Jesus comes up out of the water and he's full of, the, of the, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, go into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. I found something out years ago. If, if God wants to take you from point A to point B and the devil's in the middle, God will still take you from point A to point B. Because if you'll do what God says, you'll overcome the enemy and you'll gain authority from that and when you pass that test, you'll never have to pass it again. I don't have time to to speak about this this morning, but think about this. In Jesus' testing time of 40 days, what was it in him that had to be tested that the devil was trying to take advantage of? Obviously, if you go back and look at Adam, some of it had to do the same thing with Adam. But Jesus, if you want to study it out, I'll just throw it out. Jesus had never been tested with the full power as as a prophet of God under the Old Testament. He wasn't anointed until this point, right? He was Jesus. He was righteous. He was still the righteous son of God, but now he's got the power. I heard a guy say that to me years and years ago. He said, "You don't, you don't know what it is to deal with money until you have lots of it." Yes. He said, "When you have lots of it, it changes everything in the way that you think, and you have to really be careful about the way you think, because it's so easy to misuse the money." And I remember studying that, and I said, "Lord, why would you have to be tested? You're perfect. You wouldn't have to be tested. You're, you're the Son of God. you're the Son of man. you know? You're the righteous one. You never sinned. And I realized once he was given the power, he had to be tested to see if he would use the power the right way. So the first question was, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So the first question was, are you going to use the power for your own selfish means? Right? He had to be tested with the power and not use the power for his own selfish means, then you just you you process through that. Anyways, Jesus is in the process of fasting for those forty days. He's fasting; the flesh is weakened after a while, but the spirit gets stronger. But he did it for the preparation, and the Bible says that he came out in the power of the Spirit. The Bible also says he was anointed without measure. <laughs> That's the kind of guy you want to have lay hands on you. Fasting increases spiritual power. Go with me over to uh, Matthew 17. Fasting increases spiritual power. Matthew 17, verse 14. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord... Have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. It's an interesting response here that Jesus gives what he's about to say. He's saying to the man. He's not saying to his disciples. And we've read that for years while Jesus rebuked him. No, he said it to the man. O oh, faithless and perverse generation, that's Jesus. How would you like it if you come up in the prayer line? Uh, can, Pastor Clive, can you pray for me? Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Why was he saying that? He wasn't saying it. Jesus didn't just get mad and, and start beaking off. That's, he was saying it because he was trying to identify something that was happening that he wanted them to be changed from. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? This is our God, you guys, and he's struggling, right? Man, you people, where's your faith? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. The disciples came to Jesus privately because they didn't want anybody else to find out why they couldn't cast the devil out afterwards and said, why could we not cast it out? Look at Jesus's answer. The answer is in the first line, because of your unbelief. That's the answer. That's why they couldn't cast it out. For assuredly, I say to you, if you had faith or you had the believing, just as a mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Hmm, let me say something here. There aren't some demons that come out by prayer and fasting and some that don't. All demons come out by the power of the name of Jesus. End of story. Hmm. Jesus gave them the answer. He said, because of your unbelief. Why? Because they'd been preaching, they'd been healing, they'd been traveling, they'd been casting out devils, and they got spiritually weak. Their batteries were drained. Let me encourage you this week, with the fasting time, spend a significant amount of time praying in the spirit this week. And even just get ready, you know, I encourage you, uh, as as we get ready for for Thursday, cut down a meal or something per day. Just start to cut down a little bit. I remember one thing Brother Hagin said when we were in Bible school. He said, never eat until you're full christmas didn't wasn't included in that part, <laughs> but he said he said, "Never eat until you're full." He said, Always stop at that place where where you're telling your flesh, I rule you and I thought, you know and there's been seasons in my life where it was easier to do that than other seasons in my life. But I just thought, what an interesting thing you know to do that and and fasting has almost become something in our society that's Only weird people do or people that have, you know, physical issues that they want to try and lose weight or they want to try and do this or do that. I actually, uh, when you fast, you actually don't really do a good weight loss thing because your body burns off as much muscle and it burns off some water and then you gain it all back. So fasting is not the best way to lose weight. Um, I remember when I, when I fast, if I do a long fast, I lose a pound a day and my wife can fast and she doesn't lose any weight at all. And so uh, she figures it's entirely unfair <laughs> that her husband loses weight and she doesn't lose anything at all. But but anyways, fasting's not the best weight loss program unless you do like a consistent daily fasting. You know, like the whole keto thing was fast up until 12 o'clock noon and stuff like that. And that never worked for me because I like my eggs in the morning. But again, let me encourage you to spend a significant amount of time praying in the Spirit this week. Pray in the Spirit. Build your Spirit up. Let your Spirit get ready so that by the time we hit Thursday, you'll notice this, that Thursday night, then Friday night, then Saturday night, as you come into the meetings, you're just already there. And and it's so good because again and again, we've had people come up and say, like on Friday at the end of the prayer meeting, somebody come up and say, I got my answer. I got the answer that I needed as I'm moving into this new year. I've got a a real clear sense of I'm not supposed to do that and I'm supposed to do this. I've had that happen year after year after year. Uh, And for those of you who've never fasted, you'll find it's a great experience. You'll find that, as a matter of fact, like I said, when you do anything spiritual, you'll find that your spirit jumps at it and and new truths are easily grasped compared to the difficulty of trying trying to filter all that stuff through. Jude verse 20 says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building up, that word literally means it, it's a construction term that means to take a wall and st- hold it up and strengthen it with braces. That's what the word means, building up. It means you're making something stronger. A better illustration for us nowadays would be charging a battery because we're, we're a battery generation. That when you, when you pray in the Spirit, it's like charging your battery. And I've told you guys that before, uh, that if you, you have a problem in your life that you can't seem to answer, if you'll pray in the spirit for an hour a day for 30 days, you'll get your answer. Amen. You'll change things. And I've done that more times over the course of our ministry. <clears throat> Many times didn't have to pray for 30 days. Many times praying in the spirit for a week or two weeks every day and, you know, and, and coming to an awareness of, oh, okay. And that was even without fasting. But you add fasting to that, it's like taking your 22 and making it an M16. Like all of a sudden, you, just, you start shooting bigger bullets in the spirit, if I can say it that way. Fasting equals power. Fasting and prayer. Number three, things that fasting does. It brings a spiritual alignment with God's plan. It brings a spiritual alignment where something in your life or parts of your life are out of alignment, desires, Hopes, dreams, activities, thoughts, directions. Man, one of the things we all want to do is be able to be aligned with what's God's plan for my life. What's he saying to me? What did he put me here for? At my age, at what I'm doing, whether you're young or you're medium or you're old, where am I supposed to be in God's plan? You know, we sing that song here, as long as you're breathing, God's not done. So so what is it? So in Acts chapter 13, go over there with me And look at that. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. The list starts with Barnabas and ends with Saul. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Notice a couple of things here. Number one, that while they were fasting, they ministered to the Lord. Huh. I always liked that, and I I wrote down here, no doubt they all have their own needs and issues in their life that needed God's attention, but instead they came together and ministered to the Lord. You know, they they probably had more hardship in their lives than we do. They would have had more persecution, they would have had more prejudice, more, more cultural distinctions that were very obvious back in those days. You were a Jew, you were a Greek, you were a Roman, you were a barbarian, you were an Asian, you were and all those classes of things, and there were parts and cities that you didn't go to because they didn't like who you were when you went there. And I was thinking about that, that, that they come together here, and they're ministering to the Lord. They're, they're, they're saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? Here we are praying, prophets and teachers, what do you want us to do? What, what do you have for us? I remember what I said at the beginning, when we come together corporately, it filters down personally, because you and I all have personal needs. There's things I'm praying about in my life right now. There's things you're praying about in your life right now. When we come together and, and together minister to the Lord, then whatever you sow, you reap. Right? The principle is there, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So you and I ministering to the Lord means that he's going to minister back to us. Fasting empowers that and takes it to another level because he goes, these people are serious. These people are after something from me, and they've opened themselves up to become more sensitive. I really, in a sense, that's what our prayer meetings are for this week, to minister to the Lord. We spend time worshiping. And then we pray for things, but as much as anything, it's a time where each of us can come and spend time with him. Or you just come and you say, "God." and they're two hours long, dear God. You guys, we'd go and watch a movie that would be longer than coming and ministering to the Lord. From and We realize people have to get up and go to work and stuff, and so we go from seven till nine unless something really wild breaks out. But typically, we go from seven till nine because we know people have lives and kids have to go to school and all those things. What's interesting about what happened here is that God showed them something completely new that had never been done before. He said, separate from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them and having laid, then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. The release of Barnabas and Saul is the first scriptural indication of an apostolic missionary sending. It was the first place in the Bible, and actually what's neat is you find out after this that Saul's not called Saul anymore, now he's called Paul. So something happened that night when they laid hands on them and commissioned them, they created the New Testament missionary paradigm that we have now used for 2,000 years in one prayer meeting. When we did that prayer meeting last year when the joy came into the room, I preached on that for almost eight weeks. She preached on the anointing for eight weeks. And we prayed for people every week. I know some of you, and word got out. And people started coming from all over the place. We were packed, and then everybody wanted to come up and get prayed for. It was the neatest thing. I remember I was standing just over here and uh, 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 prayed for a lady. And her husband had gotten prayed for first. And uh, I prayed for her. And um, she went down. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't push. I just touch. I want it to be Holy Ghost. I want you to feel Holy Ghost and let Him, let him push you over. Anyways, uh, I come back a little bit later. The, the line was finishing up, and, uh, and I see her just kind of standing there, you know, and she's got her eyes open. And, and um, she says, PC, come here. So I came over. She goes, That was really cool energy. <laughs> and I said, I said, Do you know Jesus? Like you, are, 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 are you born again? She goes, Yeah, yeah, we're born again. But been in just a regular, you know, little evangelical church for all those years, and and and, um, and she goes, but that's not the only thing she said. My husband, actually, she didn't fall down. That's right. She said my husband fell down. My husband never falls down. Why did he fall down? And well, you're kind of like, like, where do you start, right? You know, and, and I said, well what your husband was feeling was the power of God. And she said, in nice words, she basically said, my husband's a stick in the mud. You couldn't punch the man in the head and make him fall down. <laughs> she said, but when, I, when he fell, because they were holding hands, she looked over and, as he was on the floor and she got scared. Because she was like, okay, if somebody's knocked him down or something has knocked him down, I'm not nearly as strong as, as him. It was just interesting because they were totally unfamiliar with the anointing. And I remember when I come along and, and you know, it's funny because sometimes you go to pray for people and they're, they're not used to being prayed for. And so you go to lay your hands on them and they're looking at you, you know, through your fingers. <laughs> and, and I just, I tell people, no, it's good if you close your eyes, you know, if you close your eyes and focus on Jesus. And that's what I did with her. I said, close your eyes, focus on Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and touch her and do what you want to do. Now he can do whatever he wants to do, whether they fall over or don't fall over. I don't care. But, but it's releasing that anointing, and that's when she started to go like this. And afterwards said to me, oh, that energy that you were releasing or something or other like that was so, and I said, you know what? That's Holy Spirit. Do you know the first anointing that most people feel is the anointing of peace? Because everything in God's kingdom comes from Peace. So there's no pressure, there's no tenseness, there's no, I <clears> gotta <throat> no, there's none of that. It's, it's the presence of the Lord from peace. And all of that started from the prayer meeting that we'd had on the Saturday night because Holy Spirit will come along and he'll align something and he aligned something in our church there for the first two months of 2023. Makes you wonder what's gonna happen in 2024. <laughs> Number four. Talking about things that happen when we fast. It helps break the power of the enemy and brings heaven's protection. Fasting increases the access of heaven in your life and decreases the access of hell. Let me say it again. Fasting increases the access of heaven in your life and decreases the access of hell. Boy, that's a good thing. Also, fasting is a tremendous tool to help bring the flesh under control. I remember fasting a, a couple of years ago. I did a, um, I'd done, like, I'd done a, a couple of 40 day fasts years ago, but I would have juice and, and stuff like that just because, you know, I wanted to keep, and so I'd never done a 40 day But um, I think it was year before last or two years ago when the, uh, the um, Art Lucier's group did that prayer, prayer wall. What was it called? Firewall. And they called a 21-day fast. And I thought, yeah, okay. And I felt I was just supposed to do water. And um, that, that was the first, the first time I'd just done water. And I know many, some of you, many of you have fasted at, at much more hardcore than me. Some of you actually like it. Bless you. And I, what was interesting to me was I noticed that after two weeks, uh, about 14 days... I was happy that I could tell my flesh, you're not eating. I was happy that I had control over my flesh, that I was actually encouraged because I thought, I'm gonna do this for me. Uh, it's always helped very clearly for me to set times. If I set a time of the fast, then there's something in the way that I'm created that I get, I, it's better than somebody says, how long are you going? And I go, I don't have any idea. I, that doesn't work for me. I need to have an end goal. And then when I get closer, sometimes, then I'll feel if the Lord is saying, go on, and there's grace for it, I'll go on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but fasting is tremendous help to bring the flesh under, under control. I was talking to a counseling pastor who'd worked with, um, oh, it's the evangelical thing that helps young men. Some of you might know, uh, uh, David Wilkerson started it in the cross and the switch play. Teen Challenge. So there's a Teen Challenge center uh, south and west of Calgary. And this guy has worked there for many years. And we ended up sitting at something and uh, talking together. And um, I you know, asked him, where are you from? What do you do? And all the same thing. I said, I'm a pastor in the city and blah, blah, blah. And, and we got talking about, I said, yeah. I said, our church is going into a, a period of um, fasting. We're doing some fasting this week. He goes, you know what's really interesting? He said, I've counseled these young men who were addicted for years. He said, we have discovered that the most successful thing to break their addictions in their life is fasting. He said, the most successful thing to break porn addiction is fasting. He said, because many of them have a porn addiction. They come into us, they got all these issues that they're dealing with. He said, we get them to start fasting like one day a week or depending on their physical condition, one meal, you know, or something like that. He said, as we, as we train them to fast, he said, the fasting of food helps them to overcome the porn addiction. And I thought, now isn't that something? Who would have ever put those two together and yet fasting exerts the spirit's control over the flesh? Interesting, so if you're in here and you got porn problems, let me encourage you. You need to fast this week. You need, to, you need to jump on what I'm saying right now. If you're, Everybody that I've talked to that has a porn thing hate it. They hate what happens and they hate the shame and they hate the back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and they, they, they can hardly get out of it. Well, have you fasted over it? Have you started to fast and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm taking authority over this? Because a spirit will attach itself to you with a porn uh, thing. It'll get its hook in you and, then, and that, that thing just mercilessly beats you up. So fast this week. One of the things that I always do is I always ask the Lord for grace, as I told you, and then I receive that grace by faith. Like I'll literally, and I'll do it this week, I'll say, Lord, I want to thank you for the grace for fasting. Uh, I don't know how many of you do this, but I speak to my body. I tell my body. Because apparently our flesh and our soul listen to what comes out of our mouth. If you believe it in your heart, and speak it with your mouth. And I've learned it years ago. People said, well, you're nuts. I said, well, I heard another guy do it and it worked for him, so I thought I'd try it and it worked for me. I tell my body, body, we're fasting. So you need to adjust in the name of Jesus. I speak to my flesh and flesh, you adjust according to the scriptures that you are not going to eat for the next few days. And I said, Father, I thank you. I say this. I say, Father, I thank you for the grace to fast. You would be amazed at what happens with that. I remember when I used to be driving home on like day 33, and you smell every restaurant's smoke all the way down McLeod Trail. Yep, that's a hamburger. Oh, that's a steak. Oh, that's pizza. Oh, that's sushi. I don't want any of that. Like, I mean, literally your senses are, you know, just just highlighted. But there's a grace on the inside as you smell that. And here's what's funny. You lose hunger, but you don't lose appetite. Because appetite is something that's almost mental. Your, your mind says, oh, I wonder if those cookies or any of those cookies are left over. I'd sure like one of those cookies. And your body's going, no, we're full. You don't need any more cookies. But your brain's going, oh, yeah, but they taste so good. Right? Come on. It's the truth. That's Appetite that's appetite telling you, oh, you should just have that last hamburger. You know, I'm so full, but just one more. It's Christmas time. How, how can it hurt me? That's appetite. So what you find happens when you fast is appetite, um, hunger, you won't feel that deep hunger, but appetite will come and try and nip away at you and just say, no, in the name of Jesus, not doing that. I finish with a few basic instructions. We fast by grace, not by law. There's no New Testament law for fasting. Paul said, "In fasting's often, but he gave no instructions. So, fast food. You pick the kind, the amount, and I'm not talking about McDonald's. Yes, yes, I can do fast food for the week. You pick the kind of food, you pick the amount and the duration. No food for three days, just liquids, one meal a day. And this, you guys, there's so much variety right here. I've had guys say to me, look, I work a tough construction job. I don't think there's any way I can do this. And I've said, well, you pray and do whatever you feel. And I've had guys come back to me and say, you know what? I just went for it. And I've worked at my construction job, and I'm talking about longer than three days. And they said, I never missed a beat. I had grace in the middle of that fast to keep working and keep going. I noticed that when I was on the long fast, the 40-day fast, there would be times of, of no energy at all, where you're just nothing. And then I, but my kids were little. I remember one day we went skiing, and I remember playing hockey several times over at the, the neighborhood rink. And I'd go out and I'd have energy for like 45 minutes, and then I have to sit on there half an hour. And then I have to go and sit on the bench for a little while and just drink some water and you know, or some juice or something like that, and then go back out. And I thought, isn't it interesting? Because you think like the world says, well, if you don't eat for like 10 days, you just die. No, you don't. <laughs> Your body goes, keep it up. We're getting rid of stuff down here, burning stuff off. So everybody's everybody's a little bit different, and so my challenge is that. Don't just do what's the easiest thing. Do something. You know, fast something. I mean, if you can't fast food because you have medical issues, I understand that too, then, then cut off the internet. And here's the deal. When you're not eating or, or whatever it is that you're cutting off, read your Bible and pray. Fasting without prayer equals hungry. It's true right? Take some time. It's the beginning of this year, 2024. Take some time to say, okay, what am I going to fast? What, what, what can I fast? What should I fast? You might be in here and you just need to fast sugar because some of us are sugar addicts. I mean, the stuff we eat, oh my Lord. It's amazing. Our hearts and bodies are still working. There's a lot of fun. It's a lot of interesting things of, that, are, that are physical, pardon me, that affect us spiritually, Use the time you would be eating to read your Bible and pray. It helps if you have a set time that you do it each day. Come to the meetings Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from seven to nine. It helps you dig deeper and it helps you keep going. When you come to the meetings, it just it 's like it 's the juice that you need for, for the next day.' I'm just We just found that out. You come out of the meeting on on the, on the evening and you think, "Oh man, I could fast for another three weeks." It's because when you come in, you get your spirit man gets built up, your spirit man gets quickened. You'll notice a heightened sensitivity in the meetings as your spirit will be empowered by the fast and the flesh will be brought under. Fast by faith. What does that mean? Lord, I'm going to fast by faith. I'm going to believe you before, during and after the fast that you are working in me and in my circumstances and around me whether I see anything or not. Some of you are so sensitive spiritually that an angel could burp a mile away and you'd be like, I heard that, I heard that, what was that? And some of us aren't. For me, typically, the fasting things happen after the fast. It's almost like I reach in and I go click with something in the spirit. That then I see the result of that over the next several weeks or months. But for some of you, they, you know, it happens right when you're in the middle of the fast. It's, we're all a little bit different. We're all a little bit different in the way that we sense and the way that we pick up. But as we come together as a corporate group, all of our sensitivities are moved up to some degree. So fast by faith. Lord, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, I'm coming before you, and I'm consecrating this fast, and I'm asking you, To bring revelation or to bring a particular prayer thing or something like that. In Joel chapter 1, it says to consecrate or proclaim the fast. So why don't you stand up with me? How many of you have fasted many, many times over the years? Good. How many of you fasting is new? Good. Awesome. Way to go. Well, welcome to the club. Just wait till Sunday and how good the meal is going to taste on Sunday. (laughs) Glory to God. Some people told me last week or last year, they said, yeah, we, we got started on that fast and it wasn't enough. So we wanted to go longer. You need to know this. This is something that we've done in Victory Churches for probably 40 years now. So there's a whole bunch of people in Victory Churches all over the world that are fasting. Do you know what that means in the spirit that's over the organization? That there's a corporate anointing that not only we're doing, but we're tapping into something that others are doing all across Canada and all over the world. As a matter of fact, I think we sent you out the video that every uh, Wednesday there's a a teaching on fasting. You should have got that video if you're on our, our email list. that every Wednesday at 10 o'clock, there's a Victory Church's, uh, one of the pastors from in Canada is gonna talk for a little while, there'll be some worship, I think, but they're gonna talk a little bit about fasting and prayer and then pray. Um, So if that's something that you wanna tap into, if you haven't got that, maybe send um, an email to, uh, probably should send it to Marby at SVCF because she can turn around and just group send. Did anybody get that? Okay, some of you didn't, some of you didn't. So, Marby, I know you're in here. So, let's send that one out that we got from Victory Churches um, just for those leadership meetings every Wednesday that starts this Wednesday, actually. But uh, I'm going to proclaim this fast. Lord, you said in Joel to consecrate the people and to sanctify the fast, to proclaim the fast. So, in the name of Jesus, we join with Victory Churches, leaders, pastors, people, saints, Ministers across this nation and around the world at the beginning of 2024 for the purpose of fasting to seek the will and purpose of God for our lives and for our churches. We proclaim this fast as that which will bring a shift in the spirit and that which will bring revelation and insight to that which is supposed to happen this year. Even the word that Pastor Clive had earlier about laying aside the distractions and purposing to focus on those things which the Father has, we declare an openness and an awareness Father, to that which you have, and that as we fast this week, those things which have been a struggle for us to get rid of or to to remove will be quickened to be able to be undone and thrown away. In the name of Jesus, we consecrate this fast with those in Victory Churches and within our own church. And I thank you, Lord, that as we do it this week, proclaiming this fast to shift things in the spirit that we will be changed, we'll be adjusted, we'll be aligned and chains will be broken and blessings will flow. Revelation will come. To those of you that are seeking answers, we speak even this Sunday. Revelation to begin to come. Revelation to begin to flow. Revelation to begin to happen and to begin to be outlined What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What about my job? What about this person? What about this relationship? What about this investment? All those things we bring before you to the altar and we lay down that as we fast, you guide us, you direct us and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. We proclaim it today, Lord, as we start into this week and we consecrate our church for this to see things change. I say over you this morning, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you need prayer, come on up. We've got prayers here. They would love to pray for you. us online today we hope you enjoyed the service if you'd like more information about southside victory church download our app from the app store follow us on social media or check out our website at svcf.ca if you'd like to hear more from pastor craig you can check out www.timesofrefreshing.com or follow times of refreshing on social media to see if he's speaking in a city near you you can connect with the church anytime give us a phone call or send us an email Thanks again for joining us in building a community of believers together. We'll see you next week.